This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day and welcome to Keep It Simple, the internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network with Pastor Xavier Reese. Pastor X, how are we doing today? Good, Tony. How about yourself? Good, very good. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful day. Today we're uh, in the studio with Jonathan Duran. Hello, everyone out in Podland. (laughs) (laughs) This is episode 188. We were just talking about, we're almost at uh, number 200. It's kind of wild. Amen. Also, Pastor Sam Torado's running video for us today. Thank you, Sam. Amen. So, Pastor Xavier, we're continuing our... Uh, look into the minor prophets today, uh, finishing off with yeah. uh, the prophet Malachi, the last last book of the canon of the Old Testament. Today, as you know, as we talk about uh, the twelve minor prophets, this is the last one. The, is the Hebrew Bible ordered differently than the English Bible in the way it's put together? Yeah, they're, they're, you, know, you have the law, you have uh, the writings and, and the Psalms, and that, um, and, and, and the prophets. So sometimes the Psalms are the writings and then the prophets. So you have the different, but they're the same books. Right. But they're in different categories and in, in, in the, in the order there. So um, um, the English Bible has the same exact thing. Um, you have the um, 39 of the Old Testament, 27 of the New, um, but they're just the Old Testament itself ordered a little different. Of course, the Jews don't accept the New Testament, so we don't right. have to deal with that. Amen, amen. I'm sure the Jewish people of Malachi's day wouldn't really have clearly understood the significance. But from our perspective, as we look at it at the end of the Old Testament, it's a real a dividing line for the nation Israel right, at right. this time. Well, you know, they're all, they're all looking um, for the promised Messiah that was given back in Genesis 3.15 through the prophets, Isaiah 7.14, and so on and so forth. Um, but Malachi is the last prophet. So after Malachi, as we'll see, there will be a 400-year silence that God doesn't speak through any known prophet. There's yeah. no prophet recorded after There's that. There's nothing, nothing added to the Scripture. It's called the 400 years of silence, intertestamental mm-hmm. period of different categories. So from a Jewish perspective, it would be 2,400 years of silence. They still right. are waiting right. for right. The God to right. speak to them. Right. Because they don't, they don't believe Jesus was yeah. God, the yeah. Messiah. Right. Now, as, as Christians, and from the, inf- the uh, input that we have in the New Testament, we believe that uh, the Jewish nation, by and large, is going to see the coming Antichrist right. as their Messiah. Right. It's from the scripture, Jesus says, I come in my Father's name, and you, you reject me, but one will come in his own name, him you will receive. Right, right. And, that, and again... Um, the Jewish people, their history is unbelief. Amen. And yeah. it's no different in the New Testament. Um, um, people always um, declare their faith in God, and as time goes on, um, some go back into the world. There's always a temptation, the uh, pull of the world, the sin nature from within. And uh, certainly as we look at the history, I mean, I just um, listened to Isaiah uh, on the way driving in today, just the first five chapters, just the atrocities of and God's judgment over Israel Amen. because of their sinfulness, of their arrogance against God. 
and he would take away the, um, the, the leaders, the, uh, the uh, capable people, the artisans, everything. Uh, mm -hmm. He would take the, um, the luxury away from the women and he would take them into captivity and he just brings judgment on them. Yeah, all at that point, especially in an attempt to get them to turn. Sure, absolutely. That's the whole thing. Always, all the prophets were always sent out uh, primarily to be the mouthpiece of God to call people to repentance. Uh, that's the primary pro purpose of a prophet, an office of a prophet. Sometimes um, uh, many people think that uh, the prophets reveal future things primarily and mm -hmm. then secondarily other things. No, the primary purpose is to call back the people of God because they had caught up in sin. Yeah. Um, some of those prophets were not of the priesthood um, family. They were like Amos, a fruit picker, a sheep yeah. breeder. Yeah. And, um, and to call back even the priesthood that had go gone away. Call oh, the yeah. king back. Call the people back. I mean, you look uh, at the priesthood of the time right, of Jesus. In hope of repentance. Amen. Though, even though there's repentance, there's also the captivity that God, first the Assyrian, then the Babylonian captivity. Amen. You think about that, the fact that Jesus has all this conflict with the ultra-religious Jews, all the people who were, you know, their, their lives were all around Jerusalem because that's where all the worship takes place, yeah. basically. And yet, he's really reaching out to them. He's trying to get their attention sure. to get them to turn. It's not just, you know, he's not just being adversarial without purpose. Right. He has a real reason in right. trying to get... And unfortunately, yeah. for the most of them. Ultimately, he ends up weeping over Jerusalem. Amen. And he says, if you, if you would have known this your day, the things that were prepared for you, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Yeah. When God says, In other words, they have day. the oracles of God. They have the word of God. Right. The, the Jewish nation, by that statement of Jesus, should have, could have known the day of the Messiah. Amen. But they hardened their heart against him. And all he left now was judgment to them. And of course, in 70 AD, Titus came in, leveled the city, the temple, um, killed many Jews, sold them to captivity, slavery, uh, left the very poor in the land. And the land became desolate for 2,000 years until 1948, yeah, May 14. Yeah, amen. Yeah. So now the, the modern Jewish nation today, you know, most of the Jewish people are people who identify themselves as Jewish. They're secular. Secular Jews. Like, yeah, they don't really like practice America, Judaism. Like Americans, Americans are secular. Yeah, they may identify uh, yeah. as, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, you know. I, they don't uh, follow any religious bent. As you know, the whole nation is orthodox by, um, by statement because of the standing of the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, they, need, um, they need that coalition of the uh, orthodox Jew to run the government. Right. And so the religious requirements of the Sabbath, you know, all of that. And you they can't enforce mix, those things. They enforce those yeah. things. And when you're over there, you, you don't need <laughs> a, a butter and meat at the same time or the, that hotel will be closed down. Or you get, you get in the, the elevator on Friday night right. and some of them don't work. Right, right, right. <laughs> It's interesting. Learn that one the hard way. Yeah, yeah. But God is, God is faithful and he's got a plan. Uh, the, the world is, it's interesting that God's plan is coming together and the world's coming apart. Yeah. So, again, the Jewish people of the day wouldn't have understood the significance of Malachi. What do we know about the prophet Malachi, Pastor X? Well, Malachi's name is my messenger. Okay. And um, he, he's the primary messenger, um, but he's also prophetic of John the Baptist uh, in the first uh, 
uh, chapter 2, verse 7, you have uh, uh, Malachi, the, uh, believed to be, he was a Levite, we're not sure. But then John uh, the Baptist is declaring in Malachi 3.1, the long-term fulfillment of, uh, of the crying in the wilderness, Isaiah 40 says. Okay, my messenger here in Malachi, and um, that he would turn the hearts of the parents of the children back to the Lord and everything. And so from their perspective, they've, they've already come back from Babylon. Um, they've been there a long time and, in fact, had even become discouraged of, of any repatriation and real, really um, uh, becoming anything, even though God had brought them back. And so remember, when they came out of Babylon, they, they, God brought them back into the land. Right. But their heart wasn't back with the Lord. Yeah. There's a big difference. They've been adulterated. I mean, their right. language is probably confused to some degree at sure. this point as well. Yeah. Do we find uh, Malachi's name mentioned anywhere else in Scripture? Uh, the prophet um, Malachi, um, not in the New Testament, but okay. again, Malachi is a shortened form of, uh, it's a contraction of Malachi, um, Malachi, so it's a little longer. And again, um, it's Yahweh's messenger. And so the thing that about the prophets, once again, the, the names are very important, but at the same time, um, every one of these men were the instruments of God, even though they were speaking, it was God speaking through them. So it wasn't, these are not the words of Malachi. These are the words of the Lord through Malachi, Amen. and that's what's important. It's always interesting in that how the, the personality of the individual does come through yeah. anyway. You know, as God uses them, God's speaking through them, but you get a sense of who this, this person is right. as right. they're speaking. As with all the prophets, I'm sure Malachi goes to all kinds of lengths to illustrate that his message is not his own. Right. He makes it clear. Right. He, he tells them all over the place. Absolutely. How, how would we describe the theme of Malachi's uh, prophecy, Pastor X? Uh, well, you have uh, Malachi, you have um, repentance mm -hmm. in view of present sin and, and, and repentance in view of the Lord's coming. Um, so you have, you have that, that conflict because they are uh, in sin during this time and he's trying to turn them. And there's also the, the prophecy of the second coming. Right. So you have the first coming, the Jesus coming, and he's going to judge the people as he comes. And yet in Jesus' day, too, you also have the second coming, that he will come a second time Amen. and he will judge the world. Yeah, you can easily understand how people in the day of Jesus were not exactly understanding because they didn't recognize the fact that Jesus was going to have to die and right. that there was going to be a second coming. Yeah. About Malachi, does Jewish tradition talk to us about him? Um, the opposite of Malachi, again, is the prophets. Okay, mm -hmm. Jewish tradition embraces all the twelve. Um, the only book that doesn't really appear, um, like uh, in, in, the, um, in the findings of Qumran, is really just the book of Esther. But, but all of them are found, portions and everything. Actually, Nehemiah, too, everything. Because uh, the, Jewish, the Jewish Bible sees Ezra and Nehemiah as one book. Right, they put them together. Yeah, yeah. and there yeah. really is no specific uh, fragments right. even and from And again, Nehemiah. the book of, of, of Esther, again, there's no, 
mention of God yeah. directly. Yeah. So they do all that. But in e either way, it's, a, it's all there. Um, so the repentance uh, in view of their sin uh, uh, of the Lord's arrival was very important. Amen. Um, because Israel, again, is, is progressive revelation and, and the fulfillment would be Jesus Christ. Now, they, they didn't know how close the Messiah was. They're still looking. We're looking back so we can categorically see the time of the Old Testament, then the 400 years silence, and mm -hmm. the time of 2,000 years up to this point. But they're looking forward. Just like we don't know, we know the Lord's coming for, to remove His church in the rapture. Amen. But we don't know how soon it's going to be. No. Now, once we get raptured, we'll be able to see the increment. Yeah. But not until we get there. Um, and, and that's important. Now, there was some time in between uh, Zechariah and Haggai. There was some space in between them and Malachi. Right. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how well, long well, it was. You have, you have um, um, Nehemiah, you have Ezra. Right. You have about 136 years or so. So you've got a long time that these people have been, they, they, they've come back. They, God brought them through Cyrus. Uh, in um, in uh, 536, okay, um, and then they come back. They get the letters. They get accused. The building stops. It keeps going. Um, finally, the walls get built. Um, uh, Nehemiah goes back. Uh, corruption falls in. Uh, some ballot to buy it. All those individuals have the problems with the intermarriage. Yes, the intermarriage. Um, uh, and he comes back and he boosts them all out. He sets it up. Uh, and then the people again are, are ministered to through uh, Zechariah and Haggai. Mm -hmm. And of course, they build the temple. Amen. Okay? And that temple has a greater significance than Solomon's because that would be the temple that Jesus would walk into. Uh, the temple that Herod the Great um, beautified and enlarged was the temple of, uh, of, of the Rubabel. The second temple. The second, Amen. which is most important. Yes. Because Amen. you had the Shekinah glory in Solomon's temple, but you had God himself walk into the second temple. Amen. In person. So that's a greater glory. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And clean house, actually, yes. too. I've heard that some commentators will make the claim that the book of Malachi is almost set up like a dialogue going back and forth. Yeah. How do we understand that? Well, if you read, if, I mean, there's not that many chapters, you know, there's just a few four. chapters, yeah. you know, you got four. And, uh, and, and it's a conversation piece. That's what the word dialogue means. Okay. You're dialoguing back and forth with the individual. And it's a very sarcastic book because God is accusing them. And they're kind of saying like a, like a, a rebellious son, but a, a father would say, listen, you got to stop doing what you're doing. You can't be speaking like that to your mother. And the child will say, what have I said? <laughs> you know? I think I've heard that before. And so <laughs> it's a very sarcastic book. It's a very accusatory book towards God. Okay. Almost challenging him in the truth that he's saying. And so if, if you read through it, you, you can sense the tone of it. Interesting. So is the book divided uh, by different different conversations back and forth between uh, the people and God? Um, yeah, if you look at, um, let me see here if I, if I get the division here, I have it down. What number are you in right now? Eight. Eight? Okay, I have it right there. Let me see here. Number, 
positive. One, two. So that happens when you depend on technology. <laughs> Amen. It's the truth. Number eight. Okay. Um, let me see. Certainly, judgment. Well, the book has been broken down in, in seven divisions. Okay. Okay. That, that we look at declaring God's love for Israel. And again, uh, in contrast to Edom, when he begins in chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And then uh, you have the declaration of the priest's negligence, their indifference to um, the covenant in chapter 1, verse 5 to 2, 9. Then you have the declaration of people's mixed marriages and divorces, and he gets really, um, really um, uh, fervent in his judgment regarding that because they had traded in their wives on the new models, if you will. And that's in chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. Then you have the declaration of the coming judgment to his people in chapter 2, 17 through 3, 6. And then declaration uh, of their robbery of God's tithes. Right. I mean, he deals with a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. And then declaring the difference between the complaining doubters and the, those faithful righteous people in chapter 3, 13 to 4, 3. And he finishes off by declaring the remembrance of the law of Moses, his servant, not, not the, and the promise of Elijah at the end there in chapter yeah, 4, verse 4 through 6. So, and Mal so Malachi, it's the place where we get the, the famous quote that God hates divorce. Right, right. Very important. Right, right. And so, again, it's no different than, you know, you're looking at Malachi in that statement, uh, the last book, and you look to the first book where God institutes marriage mm -hmm. you know for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother the two shall be joined together and cleave to each other and be one flesh and that's God's order and it has never changed it is God's institution it is in man's institution uh, he upholds it to the sacredness of one man and one woman he does it for the sake of companionship of, uh, of, of, of uh, continuing the human race of um, cohabitation as husband and wife um, it's the nucleus of society, and when you destroy marriage, you destroy a family, the way the family is prescribed in Scripture, which you destroy society. Yeah. And we see that all around us today. There's no way to destroy marriage without destroying society. Right. Even though in the mind of the individual, you know, they're thinking, well, I'll, you know, sure, I'll get divorced, but I'll, I'll marry somebody else, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. You're, you're destroying, I mean, it's, this is divine ordination. And, right and central, completely central. So, as believers, we're pretty confident that every book of scripture has some aspect towards pointing us to the person of Jesus Christ. Right. And it seems pretty clear, Malachi does very directly as he speaks about the coming of the Messiah. Yes, yes. The whole aspect of it was to prepare them for that Messiah. Amen. So every book has an aspect of the coming Messiah. Um, and again, the preparation for the coming Messiah is that you get right with God. You repent from your sin. Because if you don't repent from your sin, then what you have is judgment coming. If you repent from your sin, then you have fellowship with God. And that's very important. And the world rejects that today, but it's the same thing today. And if you look at the increment of time, when they came back and 536 mm -hmm. this is 420 or so so you're talking about 200 years yeah you look at the united states and the increment of time from the beginning of the establishment of the nation 1776 yeah. 
to now. You know, we're a hair over uh, two, uh, 200 years. Uh, 1976 was 200. Now we've got 24, 21, 47 years, 247 years. Here we are. Look where we're at. Exactly. No different than Israel. It's true. You think about how, how gracious God is. You know, um, it would be the easiest thing in the world for him to say, well, you, you don't qualify, so you're out. Right. But God knows that we sin, and he doesn't, he doesn't go hum and haw about that. And he offers us the opportunity to repent. And he knows that we are going to continue to fall short sure. during God, our lives. God knows who's going who's gonna to repent, who's not going to repent. Amen. And God's going to know the difficulty of people's lives. And God takes us all into account. It doesn't, it, God is not surprised by anything. God is outside of man's time domain. Yeah. He doesn't bound by time. If, if, if your God, you're out there as you're listening to us, if your God is bound by time, then he's not the God of the Bible. Uh, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning is time. Right. Created. That's right. It's force. And, and the, the material is, he created the heavens and the earth. Yep. He's outside of that time domain. And so he's not subject to it. He's not limited by it. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-powerful. If he would be subject to any of those things, then he couldn't be God. Yeah. It's interesting. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God right. created... You've got time, matter, energy. You've yeah. got all, all the basic building all the blocks. Scientific, space, uh, principles space. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Wow. Yep. You know, it's almost like everything's there. He he knew he needed that information. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So when scientists uh, scientists look at, at at the creation without acknowledging God, who is all powerful, all knowing, all present, and lives mm -hmm. outside of time, man's time domain, then they limit. Their argue, they, they, well, they embolden their argument because their analysis and presupposition is wrong. Right. And when your premise is wrong, your conclusion will be yeah. wrong. They're trying to do science with right. metaphorically one hand tied behind their right. back. Right. Yeah. Unfortunate. You mentioned that Malachi really comes uh, forth as a book that, that highlights uh, sarcasm, and especially on behalf of uh, people and their sarcasm towards God. Which, it's interesting, you know, whenever you talk to, pe to people about God, you get a lot of sarcasm in response. And it's interesting, Malachi really sets them forth in an accurate way. Yeah. So uh, those conversations that you mentioned before, that's kind of the breakdown of the major divisions of the book? Um, yeah. I mean, you can, um, I mean, look here at, um, you have key verses that, that also... Um, Show us that key words in that, and that's what you look for when you look through uh -huh. a book. Um, the word "but" appears uh, eleven times, marking the sharp contrast of the okay. nature of the of the contrast, whatever's in, in in line there. You have key phrases like "the day," um, "the Lord of hosts," which is the captain of the armies of heaven, mm -hmm. um, says the Lord, appearing four times. Uh, the day, the Lord of hosts is the captain of the armies of heaven. Twenty-four times, whenever that phrase is used, it means judgment is coming. He's going to fight against somebody, and he's never been defeated. Uh, the day of the Lord, which is very important and critical to the Jewish um, economy because it speaks about a period of time. Um, a lot of times people think of the day of the Lord as a one-time event. Yeah. And though it is in one sense, it's not in every sense. Um, when the rapture happens, that begins the day of the Lord. 
But that beginning introduces the Antichrist, removes the church, begins tribulation. And in that day, the Lord goes all the way to the white throne judgment after that. Amen. So you're yeah. talking about it involves the seven-year tribulation, the abominable desolation, the second coming, the judgment of the nations, the judgment of the 12 tribes, the bounding of Satan for a thousand years, the setting up of the kingdom, the white throne, the releasing of Satan, the white throne judgment, all to the millennium. I mean, till after the millennial into the eternal heaven. That's all the day of the Lord. So you've got a lot of events in that long period of time. And the reason we go from the rapture to the uh, new heaven, new earth, because Peter tells us that in 2 Peter 3.10. Amen. He says, all these things are going to melt away. So the day of the Lord, he says. So we get the two bookends of the, the duration of the day of the Lord by Scripture. Not our opinion, but the Scripture declares that. If we didn't have the whole body of Scripture, we would never pick that up right, from no. there. I mean, we would have, and it, for whatever reason, it's really important for God to understand, for us rather, to understand the things that God's doing. God wants us to have a sense of what he's doing. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do it in secret. You mentioned before that uh, you would date the book of Malachi about 420. Uh, that period, you'll, you'll differ different things, but okay. it's rounded off 400. Okay. I mean, 396. So now um, is, is this at the close of the ministry of uh, Nehemiah? Well, Nehemiah is way before. Way before, yeah, I mean, okay. Way before. So okay. you've got Nehemiah and, and, uh, and Ezra that are before. Um, now you have Malachi that comes in and... Um, um, again, winding down the economy of, of Israel. So you've got um, 139 years um, since the return of uh, the captivity of Babylon. Uh, if you go from 536 to 397, like I said, we can round it off 400, but it's in there. I mean, you'll, you'll have different things. Um, but um, the, the main thing is that we clearly see the final book the close of the canon, if you will, which is important because um, there are no other books after this. You will find what they call the apocryphal books that are accepted by the Catholic Church, um, Maccabees and Tobit and other things. Right. But they're, they're, they may be historical. We don't know how accurate they are. But some of them contradict scripture, like praying for dead and stuff like that. So right. we know that they're not. We know, first of all, that he's the last prophet, and no other prophet was uh, living during those 400 years. So we're, we're safe to say that anybody who tries to introduce any other books during this period, they're not inspired, they're not canonical, uh, they're not from God. Amen. And it's interesting also because there does seem to be such a, a tangible connection between the end of Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament. Right. It's like it, it almost doesn't skip a beat right, between right. the two. Right. You know? um, the culture of Israel following the Babylonian captivity got to be a whole different world from uh, the culture before. A lot of changes for them. It's interesting you have from time to time you've mentioned that uh, when the Jews went into captivity, they were involved in an agricultural society. Right, right. They were farmers. And when they came back, right. a lot of that had changed. Right, right. Because Babylon, you know, um, remember Ezekiel was in Babylon and Jeremiah was in Jerusalem. Right. And you had false prophets on both ends. 
So the pro false prophets in Jeremiah's time in the Jerusalem, they were saying, listen, you know, we're not going to go into captivity. Yeah. Jeremiah said, you're going to go in captivity. You should just roll over. And they accused him of being a traitor and everything else. Yeah. Um, then you have the false prophets at, over in, in Babylon that um, were saying, oh, we're going to leave here pretty soon. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. Yeah. And Ezekiel writes and said, listen, marry, have families, build houses, pray for the peace of the city, and you're going to be there for 70 years. Yeah. And so you always have God's word, but God's word is not always accepted. The, it, it's not the, the custom of people to believe God. It's not the nature of man to humble themselves and to embrace God. It's, it's rebellion, it's sinfulness. Um, from the very beginning, he, um, he destroyed the entire world through a flood. I mean, everybody but eight people. That's horrific. You know what I mean? Hard to imagine. And then I, you have the Tower of Babel. Yeah. He scatters them all over the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? God, God uh, so, eliminated an entire world of vegetarians. Yeah. You know, and, and back there in Genesis. Uh, it, it's interesting uh, you were saying about the, uh, the prophets and God's, his input, the way that he directs the nation. He's working in, in the hearts of these people. Um, there's a lot of a lot of what we have um, in New Testament documents. There's a lot of um, Semitic languages. Uh, primarily, we believe that people in the New Testament period spoke in Aramaic commonly. There was a common language, but again, the um, the formal language was Greek. Right. Okay. Because of Rome. Well, that was pretty. That was kind of like right. a trade language. Right. Everybody in the Mediterranean world is going to be speaking right. Greek. So that is going to be the universal language. Or Latin too. Right. Latin. Yeah. Latin was part Later of it in Aramaic, but the accepted and the universal language would be Greek because okay. of the Roman culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, in Galatians four four it says, "When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, made of a woman, under the law." The fullness of time, right on time, when the Messiah was to come according to the scriptures, right on time when Rome had the roads that people could travel freely, yes. there was peace on it's it. It's at the Pax Romana. And right on time when there was one language, universal language, that everybody could read the New Testament or yeah. the scriptures, yeah. okay? Now, there are a lot of people out there, or there are some at least, who will make the claim that the New Testament was originally written in Aramaic. Yeah, not so. Yeah, there's no You've real got, evidence. To there's no real that. evidence. People will try to do all kinds of stuff, but it's uh, the Old Testament is Hebrew, the New Testament is Greek. You have some Aramaic in the Old Testament of Daniel, a few passages. Yeah, but not much. But huh? not much. Yeah. And you have Aramaic words in some of the Gospels. Okay. Okay. But um, but it, per se, uh, in fact, um, um, Matthew. Uh, being Jewish, we'll use some of that. And then and the other Gospels, because it's written to Rome, the Roman or the Gentile, they will translate for us okay. the, the word. That's interesting yeah. you get that because they wouldn't right. have been Because familiar. of the audience, yeah. who the yeah. audience is. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple. Today we're spending some time looking at the end of the minor prophets, the prophet Malachi. And we'll be right back with you after these messages. Throughout the Gospels, we're witness to the Apostles' humanity in their struggles and triumphs. Yet, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, these 12 men would come to turn the world upside down. 
and it's from a recent study series that Pastor Xavier Reese has combined 12 messages highlighting each of the apostles into one CD pack or single MP3 disc available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. In this new 12 Apostle series, you'll discover how Peter, James, John, Philip, Matthew, and all the Apostles were not just chosen, called, and commissioned by Jesus, but equally enabled to accomplish the ministry to which they were called, even as we, the saints, are today. It's the 12 Apostle series, packaged in a brand new audio CD pack for $32, or in a single MP3 disc for just $12 plus shipping. Look for the new 12 Apostle series when you browse the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of life eternal. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son has not life. The Father comes with the Son. It's through the Son that you get the Father. You understand? And it's the Son that makes fellowship for you. And if you don't accept the Son, then you have no fellowship with God. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. There are many familiar yet important figures in the Bible who are recognized for their strength and character. And while considering these strong figures, it's important to remember that a number of them are women. Women who inspire not only because of how they live, but also because of their rock-solid faith. And that's why Pastor Xavier Reese has chosen to highlight several scriptural examples from the Old and New Testaments for a new study series compiled together in one convenient audio CD pack or single MP3 disc titled 12 Women of the Bible, available now at calvarychapelpasadena.com. You'll be inspired by the courageous accounts of Esther, the widow Ruth, the disciple Mary Magdalene, and many more in this audio CD pack for $32 or single MP3 disc for just $12 plus shipping. Look for the 12 Women of the Bible series available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church, hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple today talking about the prophet Malachi, the last, uh, last book of the Old Testament, last of the minor prophets. Uh, we've mentioned periodically, for those of you who would like to chime in asking questions or even making comments that you can do that on uh, Facebook Live or on YouTube on the comment opportunity section there. Or you can send us emails and actually understand we have a question that somebody sent in via email, John? We do. Uh, Renee sent in an email and she asks, uh, would you please explain how Satan, who is a created angel and has no equal with God in any way, is able to deceive the world with, quote, signs and wonders? And then... Uh, she references uh, from Exodus 7. It says, But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, and they did so in like manner with their enhan- uh, enchantments. Uh, for every man threw down his rod, and it became a serpent, but Aaron's rod swallowed their rods. And then she ends her question with saying, uh, Why does God let him have so much power? Are there other angels mentioned in the Bible who can do, quote, signs and wonders? Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Satan rebelled. Satan's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4 form. 
And um, he has certain limited power, not all power. So if you read the book of Revelation, um, God says, and it was given to them, given to him. And the same thing happens right now. God in his sovereignty has allowed him to be the prince and the power of the air, the um, God of this world who takes men captive and deceives them. The deception is by, by his own evil and the evil heart of man in rebellion. So you've got fallen man who has rejected God, who's a sinner, and he can't defend himself against deception that is against God's truth because he doesn't know God's truth. That's why we have to be born again so we can know God's word and be able to compare when Satan comes or anybody comes and says something that contradicts the word of God, then I know it's not true. So I'm able to discern error only being a Christian. Now, a person can de 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 discern morality and un something ethical or not ethical mm -hmm. by the culture and, and standards, mores, and so on and so forth. But to know God's revelation, you have to be born again. And um, you can only make that comparison as you've been born again now. People of the world are deceived. They're fallen. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, they're dead and trespassed and sins. I was there, you were there. And so uh, Satan has the ability right now, but again, he's not all-powerful, he's not all-present, he's not all-knowing, so his power is limited. Um, he has a, a, a chain, uh, a long chain, it seems, but it's limited. Sure. Um, and, and once again, God has to give man free will. We're not robots. And so God allows man that free moral agent of decision to either agree with God or to reject God, either to follow Satan or to follow God. Amen. You know, and, he always gives yeah. that. And as far as uh, other angels, um, um, the Bible just tells us that a third of the angels rebel. And, um, and they have a free will, just like man, except for angels, there's no salvation, there's no redemption, there's no forgiveness, because they're not creating the image and likeness of God. They're ministering spirits created to serve God in the earth of salvation. So Satan will never be redeemed. He will never be forgiven, no matter what. Um, and, uh, and in the New Testament, Paul says the elect angels. Now, the elect angels um, simply means the chosen angels. Now, which ones are? Those are the ones in heaven. Could they still rebel? I guess they still could if they wanted to. We certainly wouldn't know anything about it, but not the... We, it just tells us a third rebelled. And so this third follows Satan, and they are ministry spirits uh, here for Satan's purposes. And Ephesians 6, 12 tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, dominions, and hard places. They are in the lower atmosphere uh, doing his bidding. Sure. Real quick, just for me, two things that came to mind. One, like you said, he, he is limited, you know, right? Amen. I mean book of job he only allowed him to go so far sure. right with job and then the i don't know the verse that she references i mean yeah they are able to mimic the lord's power but uh one it's only being mimicked and then two you see aaron's rod still swallowed it's up not as rod. powerful right. right right so you can get power from one of two places sure satan or god Amen. As you look to the world today, you have um, you have necromancy, you have soothsaying, you have uh, tarot cards, you have pronosticators, uh, you have all kinds of deceptive powers that go on. Sure. 
but they're not the all power that can overthrow God. Right. Okay, and so the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to be directly empowered by Satan, and he's going to be able to him with the with the false prophet bring down fire from heaven. Yeah. Okay. Right. So um, miracles um, can be done by Satan to an extent. Sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. He was a cherub in heaven. He was number two to God. Mm -hmm. um, he is a mighty angel, but a fallen archangel, mm -hmm. completely. Yeah. yeah. And we may not know about the specifics of what he can or right. cannot do, but that's not really important. No. That, that's no. not the focal point right. of Scripture. But we do have that it's an, it's a, it's an opposite uh, antagonistic power against the power of God. Right. Mm -hmm. And we see this throughout right. the world. Yeah. It begins with the heart of man. It's extended to the spiritual aspect of Satan's domain. Sure. And it all comes together. It's interesting how people... People are really gravitate towards the power and ability of angels, and they, right. they want to speculate about these things. They want to know. Right. They want to theorize and put together their ideas. Right, right. And it's it's dangerous stuff. Right. And angels only minister spirits to the earth's salvation, and when they come to the prophets or anybody, they give God's word, not anything above that, not anything Amen. less than that. Yeah. So any angel that comes and gives something contrary to Scripture is an angel of Satan. Amen. Not an angel of God. Yeah. That's right. Those are hot topics, I guess. Huh? If, yeah. if you know, if you didn't have the scripture, you'd be easy, easy prey. Sure. Well, you look at all the religious aspects. You know, as a Catholic, you know, you have all kinds of apparitions of, uh, sure. You know, yeah. uh, different virgins, all kinds of all different things, things you know? all over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Lady of Fatima and, and same thing else. in Islam. They yeah. have, you know, these things that miraculous right. appearances. But they contradict the Word of God. If they you do. know the Word of God, Amen. you would reject that absolutely. Yeah. But if you don't reject it, then you're subject to bondage to it. Yes. You give a position of reverence and credence, which is contrary to God's word, which is deception. Yes. And you fall prey to it. Was Second uh, Peter one three? You know, God's given us all things for life and godliness. Right. By the through the knowledge of Him. Right. And that's that's from the Scripture. All that's the, time. the thing that we need. Yeah. So, you know, if the people out there, if you have further questions, or ideas, please chime in. You can email us or you can uh, hit the comments on Facebook Live or yeah. YouTube. Simpletruths at ccpas.com if you want to just do it the old-fashioned way and Amen. shoot us an email. Yeah. Thanks, That'd John. Mm -hmm. So, Pastor X, back in the book of Malachi, you know, again, we're looking at the culture of Israel following the Babylonian captivity. A lot of changes for them. Right. Everything's different. Uh, it's a safe bet that... That I mean, the families are different. Right. Much smaller numbers of people, of course, coming in after the right. captivity, and then uh, here at uh, Malachi, we're at least more than a hundred years from right. when they started right. to come back. Yeah, you're so talking about the first group of people came in with about fifty thousand. Okay, that's a very small number compared yeah. to what was the captivity. Once again, the mindset of being comfortable, becoming wealthy, they went through the Babylonian captivity into the Medo-Persian. Yeah. I mean, there's just... Two generations. Two generations. Yeah. Easily. I mean, 70 years, you're talking about easy three overlapping generations. Yeah. Uh, 20, 25 years um, overlapping generations. Uh, so they had two generations of kids that didn't know anything but... Right. Nothing. Yeah. All they know is that. It's mm -hmm. just like, you know, um, immigrants come from Mexico or from um, Germany or whatever right now. Now, they'll speak the German or the Spanish at home, 
Um, one but but that generation yeah. will also be entrenched in the American culture, yeah. and they will move away from that. And when they get married, it'll be completely gone. Yes, um, it doesn't you, take long. You assimilate. Yeah, yeah, and certainly unless you willfully and purposely maintain and cultivate that language and the culture. And it takes an effort. Sure, it really does. Sure. It's kind of amazing for the Jewish people around the world. How I remember, I went to school with. Uh, tons of, of Jewish kids in Hollywood, and they all had to go to Hebrew school right. after, after three days a week, man. Wow. The, all those boys were either coming out of just finished their uh, bar mitzvahs or they were getting yeah. ready and they were all practicing their Hebrew week wow. by week. What a trip. Yeah, yeah interesting. Wow. The, the book of Daniel really gives us some insight concerning the purpose, God's purpose in rebuilding the nation right. at this time. Yeah, well, Daniel, as you know, he was there from the beginning, he went into captivity, and um, his friends with him, and most likely Daniel was a eunuch. Amen. Along with the, his friends. He never had any children, right. as far as we and know. And they say that your children would be eunuchs in that, yeah. and they put him under the head eunuch of that time, and yet God used Daniel to reveal the dreams that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar, the known of the soothsayer, necromancer, which kind of goes hand in hand with the question we had by the, our sister, mm -hmm. that you know none of them could know the future. Right. So they have, mm -hmm. they have corrupt power and evil power within this world, which works hand in hand with the evil heart of man. Um, but they can't tell the future. They don't right. have the ability to see the future. Right. And so God reveals the future to Nebuchadnezzar. None of them can do it. Daniel's brought forth. He gives it forth. He's put as uh, uh, ruler in Babylon. I mean, he goes through that. He goes through Cyrus. I mean, uh, Daniel was about 90 years old. When he saw a lot of things, end. didn't yeah. he? Man. Belshazzar and his drunken feast and all. But to Daniel was given the, um, uh, the 70 week of Daniel there in Daniel mm -hmm. 9, 24 to 27. And he says when, when he looked at the uh, prophetic scriptures that the 70 years were almost up in Daniel 9, he began to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. And God gave him the 70 week of Daniel, beginning the countdown Amen. for the Messiah. And he divides it up in different increments. If you look at it from 24 on down to 27, uh, from 24 to 25, you have the 69 weeks. The mm -hmm. last week is in verse 27. And those 69 weeks began with, with the command of our, to Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem in troublous times. And you look at that date, 445 B.C., and you go forward, and it lands right when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the donkey Amen. in 32 A.D. And so it's based on a 360-day biblical calendar. If you Amen. go to Genesis, the calendar in Genesis is 360 days, yeah. not the Gregorian 360. Do we think the calendar or the, the rotation of the earth changed at the flood? Or we don't really know. We don't know. Some people say it did, it more of perpendicular, then it went to a tilt and that. Uh, there would be some common sense evidence of, um, of scientific uh, effects on the world, occurrence and all that. But nevertheless, um, the calendar there was 360 days. And as you know, yeah. the, Greg the Gregorian calendar is not an accurate calendar uh, because it's all four or five years, something like that. They, they corrected a certain thing with leap year, different things like that. Um, but uh, he gives there the first 69 weeks of the coming of Messiah. Hmm. And then the last week has to be an increment of seven also, and that is the seven-year tribulation, tribulation that period. the Antichrist will yeah. rule 
Now it's interesting because it says that this man will come and have uh, all authority directly from Satan and he will rule the world. He will understand senators' speeches and schemes, meaning this is all spiritual. As we look to the uh, globalism of today and we look at the uh, attempt to, uh, to make all one world government in every which way, we, seems see, we're going we that way. see the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. So in other words, this is not man's idea mm -hmm. to an extent, and yet it is because God knows the heart of man. But God laid it out before, so when it happens, we see that God knows the end from Amen. the beginning. And so we see this in um, the way we see things happening. It, it could be very, very close to the Lord removing this church. Amen. No man knows the day or the hour. We don't want to put dates. But we can see the fig tree bud. We can see the, uh, the sign of the times. We can see the intended purposes of the globalism. Uh, we see the partnership of, um, of politicians, of the medical community through this COVID virus to control, to um, try to pressure people to do what they want them to do, to remove freedom, to remove self-expression, to remove any concept of thinking for yourself. Interesting, isn't it? That's why I, I heard, I don't have an exact source with me, but they were saying that, I guess, less last week, certain um, Muslim leaders in Saudi were saying that the Dome of the Rock isn't absolutely essential for the Muslims. Well, the Saudis have always felt that way, Johnny. Okay. Because they don't, they don't care about it. Yeah. You know, it's only... Uh, the only reason that the Dome of the Rock or, or the Temple Mount has any real significance to Islam mm -hmm. is in opposition to Israel. Okay. Right. Okay. And so the Saudis are moving in more of a pro-Israeli way right now. So they're really kind of unconcerned about the Mosque of Omar and the Dome of the Rock there. You know, but now, and the Iranians have a different perspective because they're very focused right. on anti-Israeli perspectives. Yeah. Right. You know, as we go back and talk about... Uh, Daniel, Pastor X, as he specifically mentions the 70 years that, uh, and he mentions Jeremiah specifically. Right, he, he said according to the, the words of Jeremiah. Yeah, so yeah. he had Jeremiah, he had the book oh, yeah, of Jeremiah yeah, yeah. there. But he was a student through. of the scriptures and he yes. is a prophet and he also was used to give, give us scripture. And, um, and, and again, God is the one who reveals it through these men. Amen. It's interesting that, I mean, you look at this, in spite of all that God's done, these people are continually rebelling against him, just, just yeah. like today, just yeah. like today. No different. Yeah. Uh, history repeats itself. <laughs> no different. Um, it seems that the only time men are, um, are productive and caring and um, have any sense of turning to God is when they have hard, difficult times and they attempt to gain freedom from a dictator or some kind of tyrant over them, yeah. and then they just go back into it. The and you know, you know, you would hope it would be different. Yeah, you would hope that you could win people with compassion. I mean, yeah. certainly the goodness of God brings people to repentance, but the bottom line is, is that um, unless we are confronted with our own uh, limited. Yeah. abilities and you know unless we see clearly what the problem is yeah. we don't really begin to look to yeah. God you would help. think that the difficult times the hard times the tragic times would turn you to God yeah but that's not what happens the only way you can turn to God is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ amen where God says the gospel of the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in should not perish 
and have everlasting life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. So the awareness of your sinfulness, of your lostness, of your need of repentance and forgiveness of sins comes through the gospel, not through history, not through the tragedies in life. It comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why it's imperative to have the proclamation of the gospel, the Great Commission to the whole world because God died for the whole world. You know, I, I know in your, the way, your presentation of the gospel and pretty routinely after every Bible study or, or service, you present opportunity for people to come to faith in Christ and you talk about people recognizing that they're sinners. I, thought, I was thinking about that in my life, you know, and I think it took me a long time to really understand my offense against God. Sure. You know, I, I mean, people justify themselves and you right. think, well, sure, sure, I made a mistake here and there, yeah. but I'm not that bad. Sure. But the reality is, in the passage of time, as you spend time in the scripture, you begin to see that you're really messed up. Sure, but the initial awareness is through the gospel. Amen. Um, people yeah. can say, well, you know, you've done some bad things. You go, yeah, I did, or no, I did not. <laughs> but when, you, when, you, when, when the gospel is, is declared, God deals with you. And you know you're a sinner. You know you fall short. You know you're guilty. You have one of two choices. Either you ask God for forgiveness or you say, no, I'm okay. Yeah. It's a choice that everybody gets. And you know, as a, as a Christian, you're going to talk to people who say that they don't sin. Sure. But it's basically, it's, they just don't understand. Right. They don't right. understand what they're talking yeah. about. Well, we, 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 we've redefined words today. Amen. Everybody That's redefines right. words. You know, sin is said now to be a mistake and error or whatever, you know, our shortcoming. No, sin is sin. It means missing the mark. Yeah. That means there is a standard. There is a standard that God has for mankind. And when we sin, we sin because we're sinners. It's our sin nature that produces sins. Uh, adultery, fornication, so adultery, lying, envy, jealousy, stealing, whatever, okay? But um, that sin nature is guilty before God and the products of that, and we can only change that through the new birth. It doesn't mean that we're sinless from that point on. It doesn't mean that we never failed, but we no longer live as a practice of sinning. We have the new nature that we're able to live above the yielding to that sin nature, it's kind of like an airplane going up in the air, you know? There's the law of, of gravity in effect, and then there's the law of aerodynamics. And the only reason that plane can stay up there is because it's exerting a greater law over the minor law. Right. Um, and so if, if that pilot would just pull back on the throttles, the law of gravity would instantly take effect. <laughs> And so it's the same with us as Christians. Yeah. So we never become presumptuous or thinking that we're sufficient in ourselves, but that um, it is by the grace of God and we have to abide. We have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have to plead to God to help us. Amen. And we just keep going forward, looking to Him. Now, there are people out there who teach. You know, the Scripture says that we become partakers of the divine nature. Right. And they will teach that after you're born again, you don't sin anymore. Right, right, yeah. Well, I like to talk to them for just five, <laughs> five seconds. I'll show you that they, they sin. <laughs> Amen. There, there, there's, there's not one good. No, not one. Amen. That's right. Everybody sins. And God, you know, it's fascinating. Again, Malachi, from the very beginning, he is just engaged in judgment. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's pointing out the details and seeing places with a lot of sarcasm. Sure. Pro problems with the priesthood. 
problems with uh, their attitude. In every aspect of society, uh, every yeah. aspect. And that's why it says it, it's a repentance in view of, of, of practice, present sin, and repentance in view of the coming judgment. Amen. So we have to repent because we're living in sin. We're living contrary to God. And once we get that set, then we don't, we're not waiting for judgment. We're waiting for Jesus Christ to remove yeah. us from this yeah. world. The Thessalonians says we've repented from sin, turned from these idols to wait for the living God from heaven to remove us from the wrath to come. And so if we, if we don't acknowledge our present sin and turn from it, then all we have to look forward to is the judgment of God when he comes. And so God is always wanting men to turn, women to turn. God is graceful. Men are not. God is merciful. Men are not. Men will point fingers. They will accuse you. They will just shame you. They will just remind you of your wickedness or what you failed. But God will not. Now you've got to deal with the consequences of your life, but you know you're forgiven. You know that you don't have to give account for that sin. You know that God died for your sin. You know that the blood of Jesus Christ makes you whiter than snow. And that's what you rest on, what God says, not what man says. Amen. So God is the one who died for me. God is the one who saves me. God is the one who forgives me. God is the one who empowers me. God is the one who lives through me. God is the one that's going to comfort me. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for. Amen. If God's Absolutely. for us, who can be, who against, can be us? against us? Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, the minor prophet, pretty awesome. Hugely important in our understanding, yeah. uh, especially of the nation Israel. Because, I mean, you've got, you know, uh, these minor prophets before they go into captivity. You've got six minor prophets before captivity, yeah. three during the captivity, right. and then three after. Uh, he's always, he always has a witness, one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so some of you guys are out there listening, and if um, God has ministered to you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, know that God loves you. He died for you. You need to turn from your sin and ask him to forgive you. Then find a church that's going to teach you the word of God, not entertain you. And start reading the word. Ask him to speak to your heart, to direct and guide you. And he will empower you to live that life of Christ. But it comes through repentance of your sin, acknowledging your waywardness with God. And that he will do for you what you can never do for yourself. And so that's the bottom line, is that you repent, you look to God, get together with a church. The church is the people of God, not a building. And as he leads you and guides you, he will empower you to be that light, that salt to those. And then you'll start ministering to others to pull them out of the fire. And so um, the scriptures are very, very simple to an extent of salvation. Man is lost. God wants to save him. He died for him. And we need to repent. But he will not repent for us. I have to repent, believing the revelation that I am a sinner, lost, rebel against God. And that the wrath of God is upon me. Unless I repent, then he will judge me for my sins. And if I die without him, I will be eternally lost, separated from God. And so we would encourage you to turn from sin. And those of you who are Christians, walk with God. And just keep it as simple as you can. Lord bless you guys. Amen. Thanks, Pastor X. been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. 
For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.